welcome to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, Seth Wolkoff. Thanks again for tuning in to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Seth Woolcock. You can find me on the bird at DFF underscore Seth W. We're going to switch things up here for you a little bit heading into week seven. Tom Coot is going to be joining us on the show once again for some around the league. We're going to recap you on all the latest and breaking news in fantasy football. Get you geared up for week seven. We got some name game coming at you. And then we're going to round the show out with some start sitting Seth. It's going to be a good one for you. So stay locked and loaded. But before anything, I'd like to give a quick shout out to this week's sponsor of Around the League. Shalakta Beer Outlet. Indiana fam, are you tired of paying too much for the same old beer here in town? Well, Shalakta Beer Outlet in Shalakta, PA has got you covered. In addition to their large selection of domestic and craft beer, seltzers, six-packs, and singles, they also have some amazing alcoholic slushies. They have nine different flavors for only $7 each. Shalakta Beer Outlet is where you need to go if you're serious about getting stocked up for your football Sundays. Take it from a guy who's had a slushie or two. Shalakta Beer Outlet in Shalakta, PA is the place for you. And welcome in to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined by great friend of the show, Tom Kuda. Tom, it's been a couple weeks since we've talked, man. How's it been for you? It's been absolutely wonderful. Life's been great. How about yourself? Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good. It's been a crazy couple weeks here in the fantasy realm, I feel like. I uh, haven't really weighed in too much with you and on it, so I'm excited to do so. Yeah, this has been, you know, as usual, the NFL has not bored. <laughs> yeah, it's been a crazy couple weeks for sure. What do you say we jump on into it here? Start it right. off with a couple hot ones. Let's get to it. All right, Tom. To your dissatisfaction this week, Stephon Diggs leads all fantasy scores with 43.5 PPR fantasy points. A few weeks ago, he was MIA. Now he's back in it, it seems. Is this uh, squeaky wheel gets the oil, or is this more just Eagle secondary sucking? I'm more kind of uh, on the Eagle secondary being very bad we touched on it a couple weeks ago with cody benjamin as well but i think anyone you play there is just a fantasy rock star yeah i i think it is a lot the eagles secondary um there's also a lot to be said about the squeaky wheel gets the grease because i mean you go back and look through i'll just go from like game one through the philadelphia game two targets seven targets three targets seven targets four targets 11 targets so this is by far the most he's had in a single game. Um, I I just think this is a lot. The Eagles' secondary was bad, and they saw opportunities. There's been a lot of complaints about Kirk Cousins and their entire passing attack, so they, you know, kind of focused in on that. But I don't necessarily buy that Diggs is back as. I mean, I'm sure he'll stay a wide receiver too for the rest of the year. But right. 
I don't think he's going to have many 50-point games. I think, you know, if you average out his targets per game right now, he's still going to be down around, like, five targets a game at this rate, unless this stays forever, but I don't think it will. I still think Thielen is a better talent. So if they were going to stick heavy to the passing game, it'd probably be through him, but... Dalvin Cook is just lighting it up, and they like to play smash-mouth football, so I just don't see a reason for them to stay pass-heavy. Yeah, plus they have Alexander Madison coming on in the backfield as well, the rookie there. And at the end of the day, here was only 27 pass attempts against Philadelphia on Sunday. That's not really an overwhelming amount of pass attempts. It was just some big chunk plays there for Diggs. Yeah, I mean, 27 pass attempts, you're talking like, Kirk Cousins would have to be like Russell Wilson level efficient to keep up those kind of numbers right. for Thielen, and Kirk Cousins is no Russell Wilson, so no, not even close. Uh, I also thought it was funny during that game as well. Uh, Stefan kind of broke down there. It seemed like towards the end of the game, like he started losing them that game almost. Uh, there was the one interception, of course, that came off his face mask, went up in the air came back in the Philadelphia defender's hands but he was dropping some balls and he kind of looked like after he got his third touchdown like I got mine I don't really care what happens from here yeah I mean I don't know I would definitely I'm on very much on the like (laughs) you sell a high train certainly you know if you can do oh yeah him and get like him plus you know somebody smaller like maybe a third you know if you got running back depth or whatever like him plus somebody to grab like a true wide receiver one who won't disappoint like a Hopkins or somebody I'd go for that for sure yeah certainly I think I think Diggs is definitely a sell high candidate for us uh sticking here with some wide receivers Tom Chris Godwin this guy has been nothing short of amazing this season on Sunday he was wide receiver three on the week hangs on to his wide receiver one title as well after 25.1 fantasy points a lot of that was coming in junk time against the Panthers after five Jameis Winston picks. And, uh, yeah, man, what do, you, what do you think about Godwin here? Do you think this is legit? I know coming into the season, you and I were both uh, pretty hyped on this guy coming in. I mean, I definitely think Godwin's legit. Uh, I, I honestly don't know what to make of the Buccaneers because there's so many, like, Jameis Winston is a bad quarterback. That is a true statement. Okay, he threw, only Nathan <laughs> Peterman has thrown as many interceptions in a single game. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So he's a bad quarterback. We can't deny that. But also, he's produced two fairly consistent wide receiver ones this entire season. So my whole entire everything is very confused. But Chris Godwin is yes. definitely like, it. like yes. the, he is so talented. Like I. <laughs> If, he, if, if Tampa can pull the right quarterback into the system next year, and at least for the rest of this year while Jameis is still the guy, I don't see Chris Godwin taking a dip in production anytime soon. Sure, he might like average down a little, but he's still going to end – no way he ends up outside the top 15. I know that might put him right on the brink of wide receiver one, but I think that's the worst he would do. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah, if, if that, honestly. I, I think he's got to be got to be considered a wide receiver one going forward here. And I'm with you on that, though. It's like last season, I don't. I wrote about him in one of my columns this week. Jameis Winston produced four fantasy-relevant wide receivers. Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, of course, and then Adam Humphreys as well. Like, he got Adam Humphreys a huge payday in Tennessee. And now he's producing 
basically almost two wide receiver ones, and I, I don't think he's good. I don't I don't really get it. The Bucks must be that good or something. I I just think I think it's mostly Bruce Arians, I guess. But I mean, J- Jameis has had success like this before. It's weird. Like he's he's good at like the most meaningless air yards you could ever imagine. Right. You know what I mean? Like they run the ball through the air with him, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like we'll come. We'll come down the field 70 yards, get 70 yards in, like, three big chunk plays, and then throw a pick, and then we're back to square one here. Yeah, and they're always behind because of those interceptions, so he always has to air it out. Right. So it's like, yes, for fantasy purposes, they're, he's it just it's so baffling. But, yeah, I mean, for sure, Chris Godwin is definitely legit. Like, I, me, much to my own devastation as a Mike Evans uh, dynasty owner, Chris Godwin is the number one. Like he's the one A to the and Mike Evans is now the one B, so with that we have to do whatever. But Godwin's legit for sure. So on Mike Evans here, uh, redraft purposes mainly. Tom, are you selling Mike Evans the next chance like he goes off the next? Because he dropped forty points a couple weeks ago. I actually had Udo and Pearson on the show, former bottom line hosts, and they were both automatic sell highs on Mike Evans that week. Are, are you kind of in the same boat there, or do you think there's some truth be told with Mike Evans throughout the remaining of the regular season? Um, I mean, you're definitely rolling the dice. Uh, like, I'm definitely, you know, if he comes back in week eight and he pops off against Tennessee for, like, a 30-point game, you know, I'd consider, like, remember, you got he's still a wide receiver one. Like, he's still the number, in PPR scoring, he's number eight wide receiver right now. So... Godwin's the number one. So he's still great, but if you could go and, again, you know, somebody package deal him or whatever, and you could get, like, Julio Jones or Devontae Adams for when he comes back healthy. Like, there definitely is options that Mm -hmm. I would consider safer Mm -hmm. because he goosed. Like, that's devastating for your wide receiver one to goose you. So if you can convince somebody to, like, let you take a minor upgrade – for a more steady producer, you know, then I would totally, I would do it for sure. I want to stay here in the NFC, Tom. The Rams, they have been struggling three losses in a row. 49ers shut them down on Sunday. Jared Goff, QB 30 on the week. Uh, Less than 75 passing yards for Goff here in week six. All wide receivers for one of the first times in a long time. They all finished outside the top 20. Robert Woods, first possession, took an end around to the house. Uh, that was all he saw that day. Wide receiver 24 on the week for Robert Woods. Tom, are you panicked about this Rams offense? Gurley sat out this game as well due to injury, or do you think just you know going to be a turnaround time for them? You know, honestly, I'm... I'm not sure what to make of the Rams these days. Uh, it's it is concerning. I mean, because when Todd Gurley's healthy and Todd Gurley's great, Sean McVay, people were just afraid of both parts of that offense. It freed Jared Goff up to be able to throw from much cleaner pockets. But ever since Gurley got hit with that arthritis, and they've been talking, you know, pitch counts and all kinds of stuff, right. it just seems like people are a little less afraid of the team. And they're kind of taking the like Mitchell Trubisky approach, where they're just they're gonna make Jared Goff be a good quarterback, and he's like okay, you know, he's not a great yeah. quarterback. I think you know? the I think the general consensus after like 
eight weeks of last season and a pretty solid season the year before is that Jared Goff was an elite quarterback. I, I think he's kind of surrendered that stature a little bit. Yeah, I, well, because there's also you know, the thing of the last year and a half or so, Sean McVay was doing all the play calling. So he would make sure that Goff always felt comfortable. Like McVay's, uh, McVay is a an elite-level coach. So <laughs> right. this year they took kind of the – he really kind of took the training wheels off of Goff and let him start trying to audible plays and read defenses a little bit better. And I think that he got, or Goff is just having a, a rough adjustment to now that he has to – now that he's responsible for a lot more in the huddle and at the line. Yeah, it's not working. It's not working for sure. Sean McVay, put the training wheels back on. He absolutely should. He should. They were winning. They made it to the Super Bowl. I mean, it might be a little embarrassing that Sean McVay has to call all the plays and do all the audibles and stuff, but they won, and people were afraid of them, and they had a great offense. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, why squander all that? I I think they're going to figure it out here. I think they found something in Gerald Everett a little bit. They got help on their offensive line today through a trade with Cleveland. I don't know why Cleveland's giving up more offensive linemen. That's the issue there, but I, I, will, I will save that for another rant. But, yeah, I, I, I – What's that? It said it's a very on-brand move for Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, yeah, I, I think the Rams are going to be okay. Um, I, I'm a big believer in just the talent here. I know Brandon Cooks is probably a pretty nice buy-low opportunity right now. So, if he's out there, maybe I'm trying to snag him as – Maybe not uh, every week starter, but maybe a flex consideration guy, wide receiver three, fringe four for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially if you could, like, take somebody who's gotten a few extra looks because somebody else on the team is injured and, like, you know, swap wide receiver three for wide receiver three. Cooks will guaranteed to be a wide receiver three with upside versus somebody who might not have a role in a few weeks. So, yeah, I I think the offense will come back and get it together. I think Sean McVay, and I don't think Jared Goff's a bad quarterback. He's just a game manager, and I think they tried to make him be something other than that, you know. Yeah, yeah, It's it's been an interesting year there in Los Angeles. Their offense has not been exactly what we were expecting, but I think everyone saw some regression coming. But I don't think anyone saw so much regression coming in the defense this season. It's been kind of atrocious for the Rams there on defense as well. Aaron Donald, he's still doing what he's doing up front, but the secondary was not holding their own. We know Aqib Tlaib was placed on IR this week. They made the move to trade former Chiefs cornerback Marcus Peters to the Ravens, who were also struggling for secondary help. And what do you know, Tom? They signed Jalen Ramsey. We talked about it a couple weeks ago with you as well. I think that was all the way back in week two when this fuss with Ramsey began. Jalen Ramsey, he's traded for two first-round picks, a fourth-round pick later. We've seen some great defenses in the NFL this season. It's kind of like a resurgent season of some defenses a little bit, I feel like. Patriots defense, the Bears defense is always as fierce, and now the Niners defense looks legit. What do you think about this Rams defense moving forward, and what do you think about the Jalen Ramsey trade as well, even from a non-fantasy aspect? Um, so let's see. Uh, I'll make one quick aside. Uh, the Patriots defense has been incredible. 
but they've also had the easiest schedule in the entire NFL. Yes. It will get worse by the time this year is over. Mark my freaking words. Anyway, besides that point, <laughs> um, uh, I think that this trade worked well on a lot of levels. I think it's good for the Ravens to get Peters. Like, Peters is a good player. I don't think he's going to fix all their problems, but they've had so many people hit IR. They, they, I think they were just desperate, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And when you bring in somebody like Jalen Ramsey, I'm thinking you don't want a Marcus Peters with him. <laughs> you know, I don't think you want somebody who's going to be a bad influence on him. I just don't know how well they'd play together. I think they'd get competitive yeah, with I, one another. I completely agree. I don't think they're both too strong of personalities, I think, to have in that locker room. Yeah, so obviously they're taking the gamble on Ramsey. I don't think it's a bad gamble. I I think that if anybody, I think that they're kind of looking for that, you know, Khalil Mack to the Bears thing, mm-hmm. where, where, you know, you'll be able to kind of build your secondary around him and really unlock him again as, you know, your superstar. You know, he is your secondary every single week, week in and week out. Like him and Aaron Donald tearing things up. I think it can happen. It, you're, they're just going to have to make sure that whatever personality issues were because of the Jaguars and not because of him. That's really the gamble they're taking. But I think it's good. Like, from a football move, from a fantasy move, I think it'll just depend on how well the football move part goes. Um, Give it a week or two, let them get adjusted to the system, and then, you know, maybe then you start being wary of how much he's going to shut down your number one wide receiver. But we'll see. Only time will tell. I was very going back and forth last night whether I thought the Rams' D could be a league winner is basically what I'm searching for in a couple of my leagues. I don't have a one of those top defenses really in any of my leagues. I've, I've kind of just been streaming from week to week here. I had the second waiver claim in my league, and I I ended up putting them in the claim. I didn't get it, but after looking, I, I went back and forth because of their schedule going forward, Tom. I mean, yes, they have the Bengals here following this week's game with the Falcons. You get a bye week, get freshed up. Jalen Ramsey gets acquainted. You have the Steelers, who I still think are better on offense than people are giving credit for. The Bears, you can chalk that up as a dub, I think, as far as the defense goes. The Ravens, the Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Cowboys, the Niners. Back to the Cardinals. I don't like those last six games at all for the Los Angeles Rams defense. I don't know about you. No, yeah, they definitely have a rough one coming up. Like For fantasy purposes, I'm not... I'm not going out of my way to get that defense, maybe in the right matchups. Although for redraft especially, I very much prefer to just kind of play the wire for whatever the best team is at the time, depending on who's injured, who's not injured. Um, so I'm I'm definitely not. Like, I'll let somebody else bite the bullet and maybe pick up a different defense later on. But, yeah, just like for football purposes, it may end up coming together. You know, they might end up being a solid unit. I think at the end of the day, too, if anything, it could benefit Jared Goff, the Rams receivers, and Gurley moving forward as well because I think maybe this D can get some more three and outs. They've struggled getting three and outs this season. I feel like they don't have as many drive attempts as they used to have in games in 2018 going back to 2017 as well. So I think if they get that defense cleaned up a little bit, maybe that's their vision, get some more drives, some more opportunities, some more uh, play calls going Jared Goff's way. Yeah, that's a really good point. I I think that could definitely be definitely be the case that it ends up helping the offense, you know, for 
be able to get out on the field more and play from a more comfortable position. So, yeah, that's that's a really good point. All right, Tom. I want to jump into uh, – let's let's go back to high school a little bit, play a little bit of would you rather or the name game, as they call it in this business. How about it? Absolutely. The name game. Shirley, All right, I want to start here with a couple guys who have really touched my heart over the years. Patriots running back, Sony Michelle or Joe Mixing moving forward. Sony Michelle is RB28 in PPR scoring. Mixon currently sits at 33. Do you like Mixon, or do you like Sony moving forward here, Tom? Ooh, this is a rough one. Um, we're talking just redraft, redraft right now, right? Redraft. Okay. So we're looking there. Uh, I don't know. This That is really tough because Sony Michelle is on a superstar team. You know, he should be – closing games out with ease at this point but there was some stat i'm trying to remember what it was it like he literally as soon as he gets touched he hits the ground like he does not break tackles at all he cannot do it to save his life and it shows in his stats you know yeah i do like sony's schedule coming up he's got the jets this week the browns coming up ravens eagles i think it's it's definitely the Bengals. he's going to get right right as the fantasy playoffs is beginning so Dolphins, Week 17, if you got a Week 17 matchup. So I, I do like his schedule coming up. And I just think I just think Joe Mixon is poopy, man. I really do. I re- See, here's the thing. is I, I This is what I'm torn between. Is I Sonny Michelle, I think, is not as talented a, as Joe Mixon. Right. So I don't – I want to pick Joe Mixon. Like on paper, I'm picking Joe Mixon hands down. Sonny Michelle is on the better team. And we saw – Last year, like, there's a very real possibility that during the – while they're finishing up the easy stretch of their season, they're not over-utilizing Michelle because they want him to be fresh to continue their dominance on the back end of the season. So, like, but Joe Mixon, he's on the Bengals, and the Bengals are absolute trash. They have no offensive line, and they're never ahead. So he gets game scripted out every single game. Like, I think Joe Mixon is great. But I'm thinking more – you have to think more on a long-term scale. Like for redraft for the end of the season, I just don't know that he can – and I hate to say it because everything about me avoided Sony Michelle like the plague this year. <laughs> right. But I just I, – I've seen so little opportunity for Joe Mixon to flourish and succeed in that, you know, it's a first-year coach. The offensive line's terrible. I just really can't stress that enough. He has nothing to run behind, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, so, yeah. I think you have to go Sony Michelle. I, I just think you have to trust that Belichick was trying to keep him as fresh as possible, and he'll just start doing like they did last year where he gets two touchdowns a game while they're just closing games out with him and keeping Tom Brady fresh for the postseason. Yeah, I, I, I'm also going to go with Sony. Lock it in. Lock it in. There we go. All right, sticking with some RBs here for you, Tom. The everlasting, ever non-pleasurable Carlos Hyde or any Chiefs running back right now uh, coming into the season. We had some high hopes for Damian Williams a little bit. LaShawn McCoy became on the radar later in the preseason as well. We heard a couple peeps of Daryl Williams as well. But would you prefer Hyde, who's currently RB22 on the season? Seems like he's figured it out down there in Houston. Or would you prefer LaShawn McCoy, 
or Damian Williams? Honestly, I as weird as this is for me to say, I think I'm starting to warm up to Carlos Hyde. I mean, because coming into the season, it Damian Williams hands down. Like even once the McCoy trade got in, you're thinking, you know, it's 15 touches to Williams, maybe five to McCoy, five to six to McCoy, and then they just kind of keep Mahomes as fresh as they can and, you know, run games out because they have big leads. But Carlos Hyde, I mean, he went 10 attempts. His last two weeks, he's gotten 21 and 26 rushing attempts. Like, it seems like the Texans' offense is starting to click. You know, 26 running attempts for 116 yards and a touchdown. You could call that a flash in the pan, but they get to play Indianapolis, Oakland, Jacksonville, you know, Baltimore, Indianapolis again. So it's like there's plenty of opportunity where you can see games that the Texans can be ahead and run Carlos Hyde pretty heavily. Yeah, I I like Carlos Hyde. I I don't like saying that. I'm kind of like you in that as well. That kind of just says (laughs) sounds gross to even hear myself say. Yeah, yeah, he's been such a trap like, when he was with Cleveland, but now he's with a team that seems like the offense is starting to click. Oh, you know, it's not the Texans aren't Cleveland. You know, yeah, I I had so such high hopes coming for the Duke of Lansbury this season as well. So like it, <laughs> it, Carlos Hyde, I did, and I had opportunities to trade for him at the beginning of the season. Uh, I felt like team owners were trying to sell him high to me, and I didn't want to believe it. But here we are week seven and i'm starting to believe it and i might be too late to honestly get them at that price now so (laughs) yeah i I definitely think i'd rather have carlos hyde though as well damian williams one rush one reception in week six luckily it was a touchdown yeah and and maybe i I could see let's get to week 10 here some better matchups are down the road for the chiefs run game i could see damian williams or mccoy going off maybe for a 30 point game or so that wouldn't surprise me, but it's like I feel like everything everything outside of Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense right now and Tyreek Hill is kind of a dart throw. It's like spin the wheel and like play some roulette, see what you get. Yeah, exactly, and that's what I'm worried about. And then Andy Reid, I mean, if he's got a committee of running backs that he trusts and he wants to like keep everybody involved, you know, I can just see that becoming a whole thing on its own. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because every year it seemed like he was so dependent on a workhorse back, even going back to Philadelphia and Shady McCoy back in those days. But now it seems like he likes the committee approach. Maybe he's seen it beat him too many times against New England. Maybe that's his feeling on it. Yeah, I, I really don't know, but I, I definitely don't uh, don't feel – there's none of those Chiefs running backs that I'm like, yeah, I want to start him every week. Carlos Hyde is not there yet, but I'm at least like, okay, I got to take my flex position seriously, and Carlos Hyde might be it this week. All right, last last group of running backs for you, Tom. Aaron Jones, Todd Gurley. Aaron Jones, RB6 on the season. He was freed. Now he's not. Todd Gurley, he's injured. He's got arthritis. Take it away. You really, you really picked some good ones here because these are definitely ones that I'm like, I don't want to have to choose between them, and I don't want to think about the, like what we're doing here. But before you wait, before you wait in here, Tom, I'll, I'll give my opinion on this. Yeah, go for it. I'm also kind of like, ah, oh, like I, I don't know, man. I, I had the high hopes for both these backs coming in, 
But after what I've seen the last couple of weeks, I am so very low on both of them. I, I loved the, you know, Aaron Jones free him week five. It was awesome. Nearly 50 fantasy points from Mr. Jones. And uh, Todd Gurley, he was looking okay a couple weeks ago, but still kind of on that snap count a little bit, it seems. So personally, I am, I'm still in the Todd Gurley camp, though. I think if you have Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson, then I think I would rather have Todd Gurley. I just don't know if I, I want such a 50-50 split between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and that kind of seems where it's going to go. Yeah, that's kind of the side I'm on. Cause like in a clean room, you know, Todd Gurley, I'm, I don't, don't really want anything to do with him this year if I can help it. Aaron Jones, I, I think you know, I definitely have talked to you about it before that. I'm afraid that with Jamal Williams coming back, it's just gonna be, you know, Aaron Jones isn't gonna be that superstar RB one that you got for cheap at your draft. He's gonna be you know, a 10 to 12 point, like RB2, RB3, and Jamal Williams is going to split touches with him. It Like if Jamal Williams gets injured again, yeah, fire up Aaron Jones as an RB1 for sure because they have to run the offense partly through him when they want to go on the ground. Right. I also think Devontae Adams being out for that one week helped equivalent to that as well. And I think Jamal Williams is a guy I actually touched on coming into the season a little bit as one of my in-the-scope candidates. I thought he was a guy who's out there on a lot of waiver wires who maybe is a better pass catcher than I think people think. I, I don't buy into the uh, the run game he produced this week, but I do think he's a pretty damn good pass catcher. Yeah, and that's the whole problem right there. You get Aaron Jones in for downs one and two. On third downs, you get Jamal Williams. And on fourth downs, you get Jamal Williams. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I know they're not, you know, the Packers do go for it on fourth when they're close, and they usually just leave Jamal Williams on the field. They don't go back and pull Aaron Jones out. It, or You know what I mean? It's just like right. I, I trust the way that they're utilizing their backfield to produce top-quality games out of Aaron Jones because he's one of those people who needs to be on the field every play to get those touches and grind on a defense. And I think you're right. I think, you know, Devontae Adams comes back, Jamal Williams back, team's full healthy. Like, it's good for them football-wise, but for fantasy purposes. But also, I don't know, do I pick Gurley over him? Because the arthritis is a killer. Like, Gurley hasn't gotten to touch the ball more than 16 times this year in any single game, you know? Oh, yeah, I think he's getting pissed, too, honestly. So, it's like one of those things where I don't know who I'm going to trust more going forward. I would like to think that the Rams' offense is going to kind of pull itself together. Like you said, like we talked about earlier, with the defense getting better and everything. So maybe Gurley will just by default get more opportunities, be utilized a little better. Because once people are afraid of the passing game, you know, that opens up more space for Gurley. So you know what? I think I will agree with you on that, that Gurley just slightly edges out Jones for like the rest of season outlook. Even though right now you'd be insane to, you know, do... I wouldn't trade them one for one. But, you know, if you have Todd Gurley, maybe be a little less panicked than if you have Aaron Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Todd Gurley. You want him over A. Jones. Moving forward. Tom said it, not me. (laughs) All right. So, 
Uh, we're going to round out the name game with Russell Wilson, your homie, versus everyone's my homie, Patrick Mahomes. What do you think, Tom? All right. A full disclosure of my personal bias here. Um, Russell Wilson is my favorite player in the entire NFL. I know it's blasphemous to say as a Steelers fan. Well, not that they hate each other, but that it's not a Steelers player. But I adore Russell Wilson, and so I definitely pick him as, you know, I think he's going to be the MVP. I think that he's just going to crush it out this season. You know, the Seahawks are back in the talk for playoffs again. It's just one of those, you know, I mean, even from, like, fantasy football-wise, like, dynasty. Last year, I no joke, I had Patrick Mahomes on my team, and I traded him for Russell Wilson straight up. And I would do that trade again today if I could. <laughs> Russell Wilson, or Patrick Mahomes for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I did that in week three. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, is he real? Is he not? Someone's going to let me get Russell Wilson one for one. I took it. But now, even having a full year to digest, I would take it again. <laughs> wow. I, I, That's how I much think I love Russell Wilson. I, I think it's going to be the one that we disagree on a little bit. I like what I'm seeing from Russell Wilson. But I still can't help but think that this is not what Brian Schottenheimer wants at the end of the day. He does not want Russell Wilson to have to go out there and throw it 40 times a game to Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and a bunch of nobodies. Now Will Disley's out as well. I think that hurts the passing game moving forward because, let's be honest, any time it seemed like Russell Wilson was getting in trouble down there in the red zones, he was looking around last second. He just chucks it up. Oh, it's the big Montana. You know what I mean? I'm going to Montana to spend the winter. I don't know. I, I think I got it. I think Mahomes, he's got a healthy Tyreek Hill back for the moment. I think the running game is not what it we thought it was going to be. And I think I think I, I, if I can get Patrick Mahomes on a buy low right now, if there's ever a freaking time to get him, they've lost three in a row by Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I definitely agree with that statement. I I just I just don't know, man. I I don't know if I can just Russell Wilson was so bad last year, but he wasn't how dare you, sir. <laughs> he wasn't bad like from a like a NFL quarterback perspective, but he was so bad from like a fantasy fantasy perspective, perspective yeah, cuz they definitely they like to not make him throw more than they like to keep him right in that 15 to 20 Right, Maybe 22 passes a game. He's just so efficient with him; it doesn't even matter. Yeah, I, matter. I think he's taken a whole, a whole other level. I mean, I know last season he was wanting the big contract. I think they gave him the the contract that he wanted. I, I I am someone who tends to follow the money in fantasy football, so I did like Wilson quite a bit coming into the season, especially for his ADP. But I, I'm going, I'm going Mahomes. But I respect the Wilson play if you're going to remain there. It's just, I'm just like, even if Mahomes is the better fantasy quarterback at the end of the year, Russell Wilson will be the MVP of the NFL. Okay. You heard it here first. Hot take. Hot <laughs> take. All right, Tom, we're going to take a quick break real quick, and then I'm going to bring you back in to start out my start sitting Seth this week. It's all about uh, my stats, my personal stats of my starts, my sits, where I've been right, where I've been wrong, some bad calls, some good calls. And I thought we could uh, bring back in our all-in picks from the beginning of the season. What do you say? Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back. Stay with us. 
This week's edition of Start, Sit, and Seth is presented to you by IUP Dining. IUP Dining wants your opinion. Take their online confidential survey that takes no more than 10 minutes. And at the end of the survey, you will have the opportunity to enter your contact information to be entered in a drawing for a grand prize of $150 e-gift card. The survey is mobile-friendly and can be taken on a smartphone, mobile device, or a computer. Visit www.diningstylesurvey.com to participate. Again, that's www.diningstylesurvey.com. Start, sit, and Seth. And welcome back into the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Wilcock. Tom Coot is joining us still. Tom, so in this column this week, man, I go back. Uh, I had a couple of bad calls this past weekend. I went one for five in my calls. One of the worst weeks I ever had. want to apologize to my readers, my listeners. I'm going to try to do better for you. So uh, I also, in this column, I t- touch a little bit about our starts and sits for the season and my all-in picks as well. Uh, we did an all-in episode. I believe it was episode two of the season possibly three don't hold me to that but yeah yours uh your two all-in picks were Kenny Galladay and Darius Geis how's that worked out for you Tom well so far uh one of them got injured uh (laughs) that's always a rough one I mean Darius Geis you know went out game one went straight to getting injured back on the IR you know it's just rough to see because it's like you know he didn't even get a chance to do all that much right I mean I'm convinced given how Washington has been this year he might not have been all that great but we'll never know now because he got injured yeah certainly certainly a rough play there for him we wish Darius Geis and the Redskins organization as a whole other than Bruce Allen all the well <laughs> moving yeah, forward yeah. here exactly um and then on to brighter things Kenny G yeah. I picked him and I also picked him saying that, like, you would draft him, you know, early fourth round as presumably your wide receiver three that late, maybe two, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he's definitely given you wide receiver one numbers so far. Like, he had in week three, he had a terrible week. Like, we, there's no way around that. But the rest of the weeks, he has, you know... Like right now he's number nineteen on the season in full PPR, and that's with a bye week. Like if I think you know if you go by like average point points per game, his average he's like number eight on the season. Yeah, it's been very impressive to watch Galladay. He's kind of developed even more of a of a connection there with Stafford than I even thought was possible. So definitely definitely like him moving forward. I I think it's a great call there for you, Tom. Put it in, put it on the resume front page. <laughs> All right, and then what you got, if I remember correctly, the Boyd and James Conner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start with Tyler Boyd. He was also one of my favorite wide receivers to start coming into the season. Uh, it was all kind of about ADP here. Tyler Boyd was drafted as about the wide receiver 25, and in my competitive keg league there, uh, it was actually, I, I got him around wide receiver 31 there. And I was, like, jumping up and down. I was so happy to get him. And 
again, I, I think this is a testament of talent more than situation. I don't think Andy Dalton's a great quarterback, no. Uh, I do have some more faith in Zach Taylor, the rookie head coach there, than we're seeing. I think he, we can find more creative ways to use Boyd. We still have not done that as much as I thought we could. Maybe some of those tap passes, maybe a little, let him throw the ball a little bit. I saw him do that at Pitt once or twice. So, I don't know. I, I, but I, I like what we're getting from Boyd. As The one thing I remember saying specifically is I thought he was going to be a bright spot on a bad Bengals team. And I think that's exactly what he is. He's producing mid-wide receiver two numbers right now, and you probably got him at a price where it was a wide receiver three. So I think that's really what I was thinking of Tyler Boyd coming into the season. I still think maybe when A.J. Green comes back, if he does not get traded, that maybe he could even take another step up. Green can draw more of those one-on-one matchups. Auden Tate's now in the game as well. So, yeah, I'm 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 still all in on Boyd, man. I'm all in on him. Yeah, and as you should be, especially because, you know, like you said, good chance Green gets traded, and even if they kind of consider this year a loss, they're certainly going to work on building chemistry with Boyd and getting him practice and, you know, letting him run routes and be a big part of that offense. So I think he's going to end up, even if it's just all garbage time production, he's going to end up staying consistently well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I want to go over to my boy Jim Connor. It's Jim Connor, just so y'all know. I get I get a little feedback there sometimes from family, friends calling everyone Jim, but that's my boy Jim Connor. Uh, yeah, I mean, l- let's face it, Connor. He was coming into the season. If you drafted him, you probably got him very end of the first round, somewhere between the beginning and middle of the second round. And I think if we drafted today, yeah, I think he's more of a second round guy. I don't think I would take him in the first again, but. I mean, we've seen the talent, man. We've seen this guy is a physical runner. The injuries are a little concerning. It seems like he's getting banged up because of how physical he is. Uh, you know, Big Ben gets injured. But I think given the circumstances, James Conner, he's still a top 10, still running back one. And that's, I think, all we can hope for now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so for at least now, he's still holding steady for what you drafted him for. Uh, hopefully... You know, if the Steelers can be blessed with some non-injury-filled weeks and everyone stays healthy, you know, he should be able to keep up his production because they have to get creative with how they run their offense, and that means involving him a lot. So I think he'll end up keeping up his production. Yeah, we've seen. I I think something I have been encouraged, especially I know this is mainly a a redraft show, but in Dynasty especially, I think the way they're using him we saw it the one week with Jalen Samuels and tap passes. Obviously, that's not sustainable. But I think when Samuels comes back in, mix a little bit of that in. And we saw just how much he can get those dump passes and turn them in. He's not going to turn them into you know 80 yards run. That's really not his game. But he's going to run tough, and he's going to get you 10 to 20 yards just about every time off any of those dump offs. Yeah, exactly. So he's definitely somebody that you're you're always a little nervous about, but for the most part should pay off more than he doesn't yeah and I, I like the schedule for Connor coming up as well we got the Dolphins here right before Halloween you know that's always going to be a little trick-or-treat in my in my yeah. basket there we got the Colts they don't really scare me up front as well either uh, the Bengals are still on the schedule for, again got Cleveland twice Arizona the Jets like I'm, I'm really not scared of the Steelers schedule coming up and I think maybe eventually 
if one of these quarterbacks, whichever one, I, I mean, I assume you prefer Rudolph still. Most people do. I'm not sold yet, but I think if one of them can get it going, I think it will even just open things up more with James Conner moving forward. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, thank you, Tom, for joining us today on the podcast. We're going to say goodbye to Tom. We're going to finish out this start since Seth and round out the show with it. And, yeah, thanks a lot, man. I hope you enjoy that Florida weather. You're gonna miss that. You're gonna miss that PA fall. I'm telling you, man. You're gonna miss that PA fall. Yeah, but I don't. I will not miss the winter that follows. No, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you, Tom. Take care, and we'll see you soon. You too. Thanks for having me back on again. Certainly. All right. Always a good time there with our buddy Tom. So we're going to round out the rest of my start sitting Seth column for you. I'm going to start with a quarterback I'd start this week. He's a bad man. Whoa, this brother's on another level. I'm just trying to tell you something. Jared Goff. I know what you're thinking. He's coming off a big old stinker that he put on over the weekend against the 49ers. Probably the worst performance we've ever seen from Goff under head coach Sean McVay. However, the California kid is a start for me as I'm predicting a big comeback game for him this weekend. He's got the Atlanta Falcons who allow the second most points to opposing quarterbacks. And personally, I think Goff's going to get back on track here. We talked about it earlier in the season. Anytime he has a really bad game, he typically rebounds very well. So... I'm firing up Jared Goff against a atrocious Atlanta Falcons defense. There you go. A quarterback I'd sit this week. So I'm going to sit right here. Phillip Rivers. After only scoring 18.9 fantasy points during the last two weeks combined, uh, Rivers and the Chargers have struggled. They have struggled. And it's not going to get much better this week as they are on the road against a Tennessee Titans defense that's been pretty good. Eighth against opposing QBs, and I think that the Titans are going to attempt to run the ball to keep it out of Rivers' hands. The Chargers, on the other hand, have been very bad stopping the run, so I'm expecting a big game for Derrick Henry, possibly Deion Lewis as well on the game. And I think that... If Ryan Tannehill can sustain a couple drives down there, I think Philip Rivers is best left on waivers. A running back I'd start this week. I used to play running back. Devin Singletary of the Buffalo Bills. Singletary has been battling a hamstring injury since week two. He has not played since week two, but in his first two rookie debut games, he had double-digit fantasy points in both of his career games. That's what we're looking for here, especially with three elite running backs on buys. You're going to need some players to fill it in. So this week, playing the Miami Dolphins, the worst team against opposing running backs, I think both Singletary and the ageless, the ageless, the fearless Frank Gore have a welcome back party in Buffalo. Let's go Buffalo. Running back, I'd sit this week. So I'm going to sit right here. Adrian Peterson. Uh, One week after being on my start of the week list, Peterson facing the San Francisco 49ers, the best run defense in football, he's going to find himself on the sit list. Unless you are truly desperate, I don't think you can start AP here on Sunday. 
However, with that being said, I think there's still a lack of startable running backs in fantasy right now, and I think that you have to keep AP on your team unless you have a lot of RB depth. I think better days are coming moving forward for AP, but just not here in week seven. A wide receiver I'd start this week. Michael Gallup out of Dallas. With fellow starting Dallas receivers Amari Cooper and Randall Cobb expected to possibly miss this week's game, look for Dak Prescott to look Gallup's way against a Eagles secondary that has been so poor this season. We saw what Stephon Diggs to, did to him last week. We already touched on that earlier with Tom. Uh, Gallup's actually been pretty good this season as well. He's provided wide receiver two numbers on a points per game basis. He was out a couple weeks after an injury, but he is averaging over 17 points per game. I think in this divisional matchup on Sunday Night Football, you fire up Michael Gallup. The wide receiver I'd sit this week. So I'm gonna sit right here. D.D. Westbrook in Jacksonville. D.D. Westbrook, although still getting some consistent volume, he's now truly the number two pass catching option in Jacksonville. Minshew's not really looking his way as much as he used to now that he is his boy D.J. Chark out there. And uh, Westbrook's now battling a shoulder injury that has kept him out of practice so far this week. While he is questionable for this matchup and uh, most signs are pointing to him to play, I think with them traveling to Cincinnati, I don't expect Gardner Minshew and Westbrook to have to do much against this Bengals team that has been so susceptible to the run so far. They've been averaging over 125 yards per game, allowing on the ground. I think this is a big Leonard Fournette game on Sunday, and not so much for Westbrook and the fellow Jacksonville pass catchers. And that's all the time we have for you today on Start, Sit, and Seth, as well as on the In Between Fantasy Football podcast. Thanks again for joining us. We had a cut uh, in the scope out this week, just you know, time constraints and everything, so we apologize about that. But make sure you check out my In the Scope column as well on DynastyFootballFactory.com. You can find myself on the bird at DFF underscore Seth W. Check out our other great podcasts we have here for you at thepen.org. Thanks again, and keep it in between.